0: Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're over halfway through the month of August, and Caden, just two Saturdays without college football remain. We'll get to today's episode shortly, but before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last, the seventh in our season preview series. We spoke with Georgia Southern head coach Clay Helton about the upcoming season for the Georgia Southern Eagles. If you haven't listened to it or any of the season preview episodes. Trust us, it's worth the time. Today on episode 103 of the show, we're excited to continue our season preview series, talking the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. Their head coach, Michael Desermo, is going to join us shortly. The Ragin' Cajuns, Caden finished the 2022 season with a disappointing 6-7 and seven record, but they did make it back to a bowl game for the fifth straight year, playing in that Independence Bowl against Houston. This Louisiana team, Kane, was a few possessions away from a much better record last year. They did it all despite plenty of quarterback controversy, a depleted roster after Billy Napier departed for Florida. Kane, looking ahead to this fall, do you see a path for Louisiana to get back into Sunbelt title consideration?
1: I think Sunbelt title consideration is definitely a little bit of a stretch, but I think we definitely kind of underrated, and I think a lot of people kind of under overlooked How depleted this roster was, and it was really a rebuild that Coach Desford was handed. I think Coach Napier leaving and a lot of other players from that senior class and that championship team leaving was a huge hit on this team. So the fact that they were able to keep games close, be a couple plays away, like you mentioned, from having a really good season and still make a bowl game, I think is impressive. The question is going to be how much can Coach Des build on that now with a lot of players who are in reserve roles filling in this season, which we'll talk about with him. But I think this team can obviously get better just because they have more experience coming back as far as the experience that was earned last year with a lot of underclassmen playing. The question is going to be, can they build on that and get back to that championship level, which would be a very quick turnaround. I would bet against it, but I think they're definitely going to be a better group. It's going to be interesting to see if they can close out some games and maybe stay in that conversation for a championship if they play well. Yeah,
0: Caden, I agree with you. I think uh, for me, they're a year away from maybe getting back into title contention. I just don't see this team being a 10, 11, 13 win team uh, this season like maybe we had seen from 2019 to 21. Well, as promised, we're talking Louisiana. Michael Desermo is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Desermo. Well, we are really excited to have Louisiana Raging Cajuns head coach Michael Desermo on the show for the first time, Mike. Thanks for taking some time to join us this morning.
2: Yeah, guys. Thank y'all for having me. Excited to be on.
0: Well, as we do on every episode, Mike, we're just going to jump right in uh, to this episode. I want to start with summer. Obviously, you and your uh, staff, you guys have been running camps, you've been recruiting. I'm sure you got to spend some time uh, with your family and kids. What was the summer like for Michael Desermo?
2: Summer is really good. You know, June is, uh, like everybody, you know, June's pretty full go. you you got a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, certainly you've got recruiting camps going on. Um, you know, but I, I think the most important thing for us is certainly getting off to a good start. We had a, a bunch of newcomers in this year. Um, you know, we had 28 new scholarship players that were on our team. Some of them were here in January, but the bulk of them got here in June. So making sure those guys get off to a good start, spending as much time with them as possible. You know, and really just kind of making sure that it's set up so the leadership can take over and take off while we do get a little bit of time in July. So for us, it was really good. Um, You know, in July, it's kind of hard to stay away from here a little bit. You know, to be honest with you, Uh, it was it was a lot of fun to watch our our team, the new leadership group, step up and take control and run with this thing. So um, I was fortunate. I got to spend a lot of family time. But uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say I snuck over here as much as I could to kind of, you know, just see what was happening.
1: Appreciate you having you on the show, coach. We spoke to your AD Brian Maggard, on episode eighty-eight of the show and kind of he pulled back the curtain on your hiring process. We were just curious, what was that moment like for you kind of landing the job at a place that's so special to you both as a former player and as a person who was a part of that coaching staff for a couple of years prior?
2: Who man, it is hard to put into words. Um, you know, how much it, it meant to me and means to me. Um, you know, I'm I'm not I've never been the type of person who's uh who's, you know, had this this calculated, uh, plan as to how I was going to go about doing these things. You know I mean? Truthfully, you know, when I got hired here as an assistant, I was, I was absolutely thrilled. And, you know, and Mark huspeth hired me on his staff and, um, that was, that was something that I was extremely grateful for. And then, you know, certainly, you know, we go through the process and, uh, Dr. Maggard made me the interim, um, you know, whenever, you know, we got let go in 2017, um, which to me was, was kind of, it was shocking a little bit you know i was the youngest one on the staff and so um that was that was an eye opening experience a little bit and then you know coach Napier gets hired and, and man whenever i tell you he uh like brought me kind of back to life a little bit you know the first couple years were 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 rough you know i mean we we struggled you know we didn't have we didn't didn't have the seasons we wanted to have there were a lot of you know on the field and off the field things that were going on that were uh challenging and then when coach Napier got here it's like he kind of brought me back to life a little bit and um you know whenever he told us that he was that he was leaving and he was you know taking the job at Florida you know it's kind of funny when things like that happen you know on a staff you got a lot of guys some guys are excited because they you know think they're going to make the trip and go and do this and but guys like me are just kind of like man you know this is you know we've worked really hard to build something special here you know what what's going to happen here and so um you know, Coach Napier actually called me. Um, I think we were both in the office that that night. Actually, uh, I was in my office. It was it was late, and and um, I think it was Monday night. And He said, "Listen, you know, you know, I, I think you're the right guy for the job, you know, but I don't know. I mean, do you want it?" And so, you know, I told him. I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And he said, "Well, Dr. Magger is going to call you and talk to you about it a little bit." So, I said, "Okay, you know," I said, "I'm ready for it." And so he and I talked for a while about, you know things that were important and stuff like that. And then uh, I spoke with Dr. Maggard, I want to say it was on Tuesday uh, before the conference championship game. (laughs) We set up an interview, I think, actually for Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken, um, and just kind of went through it. And, you know, it was really a whirlwind, to be honest with you. It was kind of, you know, we wanted to do it the right way and make sure that Coach Napier's – that the conference championship was all about him and about the kids. It it wasn't about what was happening next because – you know, what he came here and, and built was was incredible. And um, so we talked and we are like, look, the best way to do it is to do it on the Sunday. The problem was that the Monday we were on the road recruiting. Um, so, you know, then it was figuring out from Sunday, whenever we announced it to the team, to all of a sudden having a staff meeting in about two and a half hours, we had to figure out who was going where, what, where we were going to go, what guys we were going to see. um. You know, shoot, who was still in the building, Um, you know, and and it was just kind of it was it it all happened really fast because, like I said, I'm never someone who was like, you know, so presumptuous to assume that it was going to be me or that I was going to have the opportunity to stay here. But, uh, you know, it it meant everything because I believe in the way that we built it here um, and I believe in the things that we've done. And I know I know they work here and I believe that wholeheartedly. And I know, um, you know, I know we had a blueprint that can work here. And I believe in it
0: coach now in your first season, you know, at the, in the head job, you lose a giant senior class. You lost some notable transfers guys went with, uh, you know, Billy to Florida, you dealt with plenty of injuries. And and on top of it all, you had to navigate a sunbelt landscape that has changed dramatically. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways from your first season on the job that now you're carrying into year two?
2: We, you know, I mean, we, we knew there were a lot of challenges, kind of like you're saying, but, uh, you know, I mean, what what are you going to do? You're going to get up in, in front of people and talk about all the things you don't have. I mean, that ain't nobody wants to hear that, you know. So you talk about what you do have, and uh, you know, I I believe more than ever in in what we've done and the way we did it. And you know, I I think last year there were a lot of things that maybe you could have done that might have been quick fixes. Uh, you know, particularly when you talk about like some of the position groups that you lost so many and so much production from, right. You know, we, we lost so many on the offensive line and and so much production. So many guys played a long time. Um, but I, I just didn't feel like a quick fix was the way for us to go. You know, we'd recruited kids that were here and that we believed in. Uh, but our plan for development has always been to go find, you know, these, these really good high school players uh, in our footprint. We get them here and we develop them and, um, and that's what we did. And we knew last year that meant that, you know, we're going to be a little thin at times. Um, and we were. But, you know, you look at it now and where you go a full year through this cycle after going through, you know, your second spring and kind of your second summer and seeing where you're at, um, you know, it just kind of um, it just solidifies, you know, what we believed in the, the recruiting model that we had. And I and I believe in it more now than ever, really.
1: And despite being thin at some of those spots at some times, y'all still managed to make a bowl appearance, but many probably didn't feel like y'all met that standard of those three consecutive 10-win seasons that's been set at UL. What's been your message to this team this offseason regarding getting back to that championship level and caliber of football?
2: You know, you, you said it exactly right. I mean, the, the standard is set. And and that's that's a, it's fun to be in a place that has expectations. And, um, you know, make no mistake about it, that was the goal last year. Um you know, we just came up a little bit short, you know, whenever you you've got you end up with three one possession games in the regular season and, and you lose all three of them. Well, that that's really truthfully, that's been the difference in this league the last handful of years with us included. Um, the teams that win those one possession games and that that come out on top of them, those are the teams that, you know, end up at the top of the conference. So um, for us, you know, we talked about, you know, we've talked about last year with our team. We've talked about all those things. Um, But there's no doubt that, I mean, the standard is the standard. And over here, it's winning the Western Division. It's playing for the conference championship, and it's winning bowl games. And last year, we came up short, you know, in all three of those areas. So, um, you know, we don't hide from it. We don't run from it. Um, I I, I think that as a team, it has to be very clearly defined what your goals are so that everybody knows. And, um, you know, I think when you set your goals really high – um, certainly, that's what you want to achieve, and you know when you come up a little bit short, um, it's still something that that's pretty significant. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly last year is is not the standard, and that's not where we want to live at. We want to get back to, I and mean, I tell them, you know, we want to host a conference championship, and in this league, that's a pretty pretty cool, unique thing that you actually get to play on your field if you uh, if you're the number one team going into the conference championship game.
0: Well, I know a lot of fans are certainly hoping you know, that last year was a blip in the radar that you guys can get back to that championship caliber of football because the West is a lot more fun when uh, Louisiana is playing that way. Coach, let's get into this season. Uh, at Media Days, you revealed that Ben Wooldridge is healthy and that he's going to be your guy at the quarterback position. Um, you received some criticism last year, maybe in regards to choosing that quarterback throughout the season. What led to that decision to make that announcement at Sunbelt Media Days and why do you believe he's the right guy heading into the season?
2: Well, you know, I mean, the biggest thing, kind of what I was saying at Sunbelt Media Days is that he's fully cleared. So it's basically we just got to make sure that mentally he's ready to go cross that hurdle as well because he hasn't been in the fire yet. Um I don't believe in a two quarterback system. I, I never have and last year that we, you know, we we really weren't. That wasn't the intention. Um it's just we had a little stretch in there where we didn't get great quarterback play and I mean, you know, it's like anything, you owe it to your team to have the best guy out there. And Ben won the job through the fire. You know, uh, it didn't go the way he wanted in fall camp. And all he did was every opportunity he got to play, he played a couple series a game. And then it became a little bit more and a little bit more. And he just he played really well. Um, you know, I think I don't want there to be any uh, question about the way that I feel about Ben. or Our team feels about Ben. Um, he is really the leader on that offense. Um, it's not a question. Um, and, you know, I don't want there to be any kind of perception that this is a wide open race. It's not, it's really been, um, kind of against himself and against against either Chandler or Zeon, you know, whoever can kind of rise and take that over. And then, you know, if Ben is not exactly back to where he was the beginning of the year, I think that would certainly be understandable, you know, being nine months out of surgery. Um, but I I know him well enough to know that, you know, he's going to hit the ground running with this thing. And this summer he's done a phenomenal job. And um, I, I just – when you have a guy like that, you know, it's just – it's it's hard to beat, man. I mean, his knowledge of the offense, his leadership, uh, and then the work that he's done to put himself in position to earn the job last year and then to put himself back in position to be ready to play is is pretty unbelievable.
1: I definitely feel like watching that offense last year, some of the best ball that was played was around Ben and some of the things he was able to do. But staying on the offensive side of the ball, that rushing attack took a little bit of a step back last season, only averaging 142 yards per game on the ground versus kind of the 200-plus yard seasons we're used to seeing. Draylon Washington and Terrence Williams seemed like some really exciting pieces back there. What will it take to get that run game back to those days of those, those running, rushing attacks that I hated playing when I was playing at App State? That's for sure. Well,
2: the biggest the biggest thing about it is um, it takes a lot of different pieces to make the run game effective, you know. And um, it, it certainly it, – it, you have to have a running back that's talented. You know, but Draylon Washington, Terrence, um, you know, we have a, a redshirt freshman coming back. Zylan Perry, who played really well at times last year. Um, you know, Jacob Cabote is going to be a senior this year. So you got some – you've got capable guys back there. Um, and, and truthfully – that's kind of been wide open. And I think that's been the best thing for us. You know, you kinda of talked about whenever, you know, whenever we kind of had it rolling with the Russian attack, you know, you had Regus and Elijah Mitchell and, and Raymond Calais and then Chris Smith. There was no one clear cut guy. And every week those guys were competing their tails off to see who's gonna go out there, who's gonna go take the first, who's gonna get the first carry of the game, you know, who's gonna go out there first. And um last year, you know, you had Chris who had a lot of a lot of production a lot of ability a lot of time that he was here and then everybody else kind of took a back seat a little bit and um and i think that's something that you try to avoid but the you know it's nature it's, it's human nature those young guys kind of saw it as chris's room they saw it as his group and um and i don't think that they took ownership of it as much as we wanted to and then chris gets hurt you know and misses a number of games in the middle of the year and then you know you kind of don't have the play that you want there um o line plays a huge part of that tight end play, you know, in today's game, the quarterback, when you start talking about RPOs and good decisions and making sure that we're in the right run and, Hey, this is not a good box. Let's throw the ball out there somewhere. Um, All those things go into it. And, um, you know, we've really tried to dive into who we are as a team this year. Um, You know, what do we do better in spring than maybe what we used to um, and making sure that we've got good answers for the quarterbacks and these loaded runs and loaded boxes. Um, You know, I believe in in using the quarterback in the run game as well. You know, having him as a read option, even if it's not something that you're going to do. You know, I, I don't want our guys carrying it 20 times a game, but you know, whenever you start getting some of these boxes and they'll pull one and they'll pop a an explosive, then all of a sudden, you know, the defense kind of has to slow down a little bit and account for that. So it, it's everybody offensively playing in there, and then you know, in our offense. Our, our receivers block, you know, so that they got to know the blocking schemes and the rules and they got to go push crack and they got to do these things. So um, it's certainly not just the running backs, you know, it, it's the whole collective deal. Um, and, you know, last year going into it, we knew the receiving group was kind of the strength of the experience we had back. Um, so we probably threw it a little bit more on normal downs and things than we had in the past. And uh, I think moving forward, that'll be a good thing for us to have that part of the offense as well.
0: Well, I have heard a number of stories, nightmares that Caden has about playing against uh, that Louisiana rushing attack back in the day. Uh, Coach, staying on that offensive side of the football, you mentioned that wide receiver room. This year you guys are going to be down some big targets. Michael Jefferson is gone, Errol Rogers, Dante Fleming no longer with the program. Uh, Looking at Jacob Fleming and Peter LeBlanc, expected to kind of play big roles this year alongside the tight end, Neil Johnson. What's the state of that wide receiver room, and who are some names that maybe you think will surprise people this year?
2: It's kind of a fun group, you know, and that that's the fun part about coaching. Um, you know, and I told Coach Leger, our offensive coordinator, receivers coach, I said, you know, I said, hey, this is the fun part. And, you know, last year he had this veteran group coming back and they had all these known names and all these guys, you know, I mean, shoot, there's, you know, guys in NFL camps and all these things and we knew who they were. I said, now, you know, you kind of – you get to go back, man. You get to take these, these young, talented players um, – and, and get them ready to go play. And he's done it before, you know. Um, I remember in 2020, we had, uh, I mean, we had like three or four true freshmen that that went out there and had to go play in 2020. And uh, that was a difficult year to get guys ready to play for sure. Um, so that group is good. You know, yeah, I mean, Jake Bernard and Pete and Neil or the three. You know, Neil's in the tight end room. But those are the three guys uh, that are the known targets that have made place for us, right? And I think as a coach – you need to make sure we put those guys in position to go out there and go impact and affect the game, especially early on. Uh, we, we, we love that receiver room, you know um, you know, Jaden, Jaden uh, Johnson and um, and Charles Robertson or guys that red last year um, that have done a really good job. You know, we are extremely excited about them. Those guys coming in have a full year in the system. They're ready to go. Um, AJ J. Rowe got here in uh, January. You know he's a big, tall receiver from uh, from Frisco, Texas, from Frisco, Reedy. Um, he's done a great job with us. I mean, he's really crafty, competitive. Um, you know, he's going to be a really good fit for us. You know, we have a true freshman in Harvey Broussard, um, who's from right down the road in St. Martinville, Louisiana. Here, who uh, you know, he's a guy that we've been we've been you know we've been chasing around their recruiting trail for a while, and uh, you know he chose to stay home and play with us and he's got an opportunity to really be a special player as well. Uh, you know, we signed signed uh, Tavion Smith, who's a junior college player from Mississippi. That I mean, shoot, we recruited him, you know, a couple years back, right when he got to junior college, um, kind of kept it going, and now he's going to play a role in this thing. So, you know, we, we've, got, we've got quite a few guys. Maybe they haven't made as many plays um, as what we had returning last year you count on the ones who have early on to make those plays. And then let's figure out who the, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guy that can go in there and go take good snaps for us is um, who they are and get them in position to continue to go that grow that role. Um, You know, Terrence Carter is another one in the tight end room that red shirted last year, Um, you know, very similar to Neil Johnson, Um, you know, as an athletic guy that can, can run the whole route tree, Um, you know, more than capable as a blocker. Um so we're excited about what, what we've got in that room. It's just gonna be we got to speed them up. We got to get them ready to go. And then um our job is to make sure we put those guys that need to be in there in critical situations. Um have them in the game at the right time while while the young ones, you know, while they grow up and show that they're ready to do it.
1: Flipping sides of the ball coach on defense you lose some big names this offseason, some thumb belt all-conference caliber guys, and maybe more importantly, some important leaders from those championship teams in the past. You returned three starters from last year, which a lot of coaches are kind of combating with the transfer portal right now. Could you just speak maybe to the development of some of your reserve players and the trust that you have in them heading into the fall?
2: How would I know you are going to ask the first defensive question? (laughs) Uh,
0: It's a common trend. (laughs) Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good, though. That's good. Um, Yeah, you know, it it was – last year was kind of – it was – we had, you know, I, I kind of explained a little bit like like the crust of our defense, like the very top of it was really seasoned with a lot of guys that had played a lot. Um, everyone behind them had not, you know, and we've always played a bunch of players here. We, we, we believe, you know, especially, I mean, let's just call it what it is now, especially with the transfer portal and, you know, with, with the difficulties in retaining a roster now, I mean, if you don't play guys that, that deserve to play, if they don't see, well, you know, they have a plan for me, right? Like there, there's a plan for my future. Like they they see value in me. If they don't see that and they don't know that, well, you know, they're probably less likely to stay. And so for us, you know, we, we believe if if kids deserve to play, we're going to play them. And so last year we did have a returning group that had played quite a bit um, and all their backups, all their reserves who had to play, I mean, critical snaps for us didn't have a ton of experience. Um, now you come back to it and, and, you know, we've got three returning starters, but we've got 30 guys coming back that took significant snaps on defense last year. Um, So those guys have played a lot. They've been in the fire and you know what, at times, man, they played really well Um, at times the youth showed up, uh, you know, and, and and yeah, maybe, maybe costs you a little bit from time to time, but um, in the long run, I mean, that's the only way they're ever going to figure it out, you know, that they've got to play. And so for us, defensively, you know, you, you go like to Zion and um, and Andre Jones, you know, up front, you know, you, you don't go one for one, just replacing those types of players. I mean, you know that they were unique players in this league that played for a long time. You, you have to kind of spread the load out and, and really, you know, the sum of the parts has to kind of take over a little bit. And, you know, I, I feel like our depth on the defensive line is better than what it was last year. You know, you got Jordan Lawson coming back who played a lot. Last year was his first go at it. You know, you got Marcus Weiser and Sonny Hazard who played a lot last year, Mason Narcisse. Now he's a starter. You know, he played behind Zion for a couple of years. Uh, Nigel McGriff has played better than he's ever played um, this spring. And this, you know, throughout the has the best offseason he's ever had. Um, you know, and then you add, you know, we, we added uh, Antoine Bayless, who's going to be a really significant player for us. He got here in January uh, and Kadarius Wade as well. So, you added a lot of depth in there, and you know this this freshman class that we signed on the D line is is really deep and and really talented. Um, I I would not be surprised if some of those guys, you know, like I said, I the, I used to believe in, in red shirt and doing all these things. Now, it's like, man, you know, you, you got to play them now because you know if they don't see that there's something for them coming up. So a lot of those young guys. If they take 10 or 15 snaps a game and it is full speed, it is, you know, full tilt, you know, the best that they got, that's going to be a significant snaps for us. It takes 10 or 15 off of that guy that's starting. And so now it's third and seven in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, Antoine Bayless and Mason Norseys, they're not gas because, you know, they, they've gotten some snaps taken off of them. So, um, you have to do it the some of the parts, you know, and, um, You know, in the secondary, we got a bunch of guys come back that played a lot last year. Um, Did lose some uh, some starters there that that certainly didn't want to lose. But man, I mean, that's that's just the nature of the game now. You know, you uh, you got to keep moving, man. You got to keep moving, and you got to keep those guys. uh, You got to keep their confidence high, and you got to put them in position to go out there and 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 go do what they do best.
0: Yeah, it's certainly a fascinating time in college football, and I can only imagine how that is impacting you guys uh, as head coaches. Coach, Caden and I, we both came away impressed for, uh, by Casey O'Sai at Media Days. We've heard that he's had a great offseason. Kind of quantify that for us. Where have you seen improvement in his game, and what are your expectations for Casey heading into this season?
2: Casey's one of those guys who's not a starter on, on paper, but in our mind, he was a, a co-starter last year. You know, he um, By the end of the year, he was playing 50-50 um, on the defense. You know, KC is one of those guys that from the from the day he got here, you, you you know, y'all got to talk to him. So like his presence is like you can whenever he starts talking you're like, well, OK, this there's there's something to this guy right here. Um He's been that way since he got here. You know, I, I told a story. I remember uh his first game, his true freshman year, we're playing Texas and uh, we're in the huddle and he's on kickoff return. He played on teams his true freshman year and we're in the huddle, we're on kickoff return, you know, and he's like every freshman, and he's kind of like, you can tell he's kind of bounced around a little bit. I was like, hey, you good? And he just kind of looked at me and kind of narrowed his vision. He's like, yeah, I'm ready. You know, and it was kind of like, okay, that's a big stage for a, a true freshman to jump into. Uh, but That's just who he is, you know. Uh, the leadership, you know, I talked about Ben on offense. There is absolutely no question who the leader on the defense is, you know, and as a junior, um, that's not always easy to do. Uh, but, his role for us this year is going to be huge. I mean, we expect him to play really well for us, obviously. Um, but his leadership and his presence is something that, you know, I don't know where you'd be right now if you didn't have him in that role because he's just, you know, every year you got this group of seniors and leaders that kind of move on. And when I'm saying, I mean, he just stepped straight into it. And he's one of those guys, he's a, he's a, he sets the temperature of the room. You know he he's a tone setter. He's he's a guy who, he you know he walks the talk. You know he goes out there and does it, and he is not afraid to hold people accountable. And um, you, you know you you can win with guys like that. And and I expect KC to have a great year for us on the field, but his impact off the field is going to be just as big.
0: Well, we're certainly, Coach. Looking forward to to seeing that. Looking forward to watching your team play this fall. We appreciate you taking some time early in the morning to chat with us, and look forward to uh, you know September getting here quickly.
2: I appreciate you guys, man. Thank y'all you for your coverage of the conference. Um, there's a lot of good stuff to cover in this league. Um, you know, as you both know really well, and uh, you know I can't wait to see how it plays out, man. It just it gets better and better every year, and and I'm I'm just proud to be a part of it.
0: I don't know about you, but first time talking to coach Desermo on the podcast, I come away from a conversation like that thinking that he is the right fit for this Louisiana program. He seems to really embrace uh, what's going on down there. And he doesn't seem like a guy that is looking at this program as a potential stepping stone, at least immediately.
1: Yeah, Brian Maggard obviously said a lot of great things about Coach Dez, but actually hearing it coming out of his mouth and talking to him for the first time definitely opened my eyes even more as far as the kind of man and the kind of leader he is. And you touched on it. He's clearly a guy who cares about this program, just given his experience and track record with the program. And that's just oozing out of him. You can tell he's trying to build something special. He's not worried at the portal. He's not worried about NIL. He's worried about building a championship team. How long it takes to get there is going to be the question in the next that progression for him. But love what he's built. Love the culture he's built in Louisiana and excited for this team moving forward for sure under his realm.
0: Caden, we'll get into this year's quarterback situation in a few moments, but uh, I did find it really interesting to hear his thoughts on that situation last year. There was a lot of second guessing, us included, about how that quarterback situation was handled. It sounded like it was Ben Wooldridge's job. He lost that job in training camp, got another opportunity, and then got hurt. Uh, It was really fascinating to kind of hear uh, what it was like inside the trenches managing that situation last year.
1: Yeah, we obviously had our outside thoughts and speculation about what was going on, but it was great to hear it out of the horse's mouth with Coach Dez talking about going through that experience, and he talked about how he never wanted to run a two-quarterback system, but that was kind of something that his hand was forced in, and I just love that he was instilling confidence in his veteran guy heading into camp. It's kind of the opposite situation when we talk about a Cam Fancher where Coach Huff at Marshall is saying, no, Cam Fancher has to go out and compete. He can't have a bad camp and be our starter day one. Kind of the opposite with Ben Woodridge when you talk about a guy who might need some more confidence. He's coming off of an injury. This team clearly played better with with him around him, with with him at the helm, and I think with some new pieces and new faces, I think instilling confidence in Ben Woodridge is going to be a great thing for this team moving forward.
0: Well, Caden, Louisiana, they finished last season six and seven, albeit you go four and four in Sunbelt play to finish tied for third in that West Division. The Raging Cajuns lost three games to South Alabama, Troy, and ULM by a single possession in 2022. So the season could have been much different. They did also take down Marshall on the road. You also beat Georgia Southern in the Bayou. Uh, their win over Texas State to end the season netted them their fifth consecutive bowl appearance over the last five years, a game that uh, they ended up losing 23-16 to to then-American member Houston. They're going to be playing in the Big 12 this season. Caden, uh, it was a mixed bag for this Louisiana team in their first season under Michael Desermo, and as we turn our attention to this fall, are you buying stock in this Louisiana team?
1: I'm buying some stock, but I'm not buying a ton of it. I think what Coach Desermo has built in the culture and his players, he's going to have them ready to play every given Saturday. And I think that you saw it last year. They might have had their moments where they lost some close games and they weren't able to finish things out. But overall, as a whole, the last three seasons and this season included, I think this will be a tough team to play and a tough out. Very much like Georgia Southern, a very different style, obviously. But I think you can kind of now bank on and expect this team to give you problems and be the kind of team where if you – aren't on your A game, they're going to beat you. And I think if you're a team that tries to roll into Louisiana and just play well and expect to win, you're not going to get it. So I think at the bare minimum, this is going to be a team that regularly Coach Dez has prepared to the point where a team's going to have to earn their wins. You had to earn just about every win against this team last season. If you look at the box scores and the things that they were able to do, the question's going to be, can they take it to another level in the fourth quarters, maybe rely on Ben Woodridge to make some plays, their defense to get some big stops and kind of flip momentum in their direction like we saw them not be able to do last season.
0: Yeah, Kaden, it will be fascinating. And I know when in that interview, we talked to Coach Desermo just about how slim the margin for error is in the Sun Belt. We've asked several other coaches this offseason about that. And there's so many good football teams. And it it feels like each one of these games is coming down to three, four, maybe five plays or one possession a game. Kaden, the quarterback situation, we touched on it already briefly, but uh, it's going to be one of the more interesting storylines, or it was a season ago. This year, not as much. Uh, ben Wooldridge, you know, he was the projected starter in camp last season. Lost the job to Chandler Fields. Gets the spot back. Looked in command. Tore his ACL at the end of the season. Zion Chris comes in. He's kind of been deemed the future. He got some valuable playing time in that bowl game and throughout the offseason with Fields and Wooldridge. Both uh, out with offseason surgeries. Caden, Coach Dez told us he was going with Ben Wooldridge to begin the season. Is that the right decision for the Ragin' Cajuns?
1: It's definitely the right decision. I think I talked about it at length last season. This team just looked better and more confident as a whole and as an offense specifically with Ben Wooldridge at the helm. And it's good that camp is going to be Ben versus Ben for him. I think he's trying to build and reinstill that confidence coming off of an injury, having a lot of non-familiar faces and weapons around him and just facing the overall adversity he faced between last season and this offseason. So I like that coach, Dez is kind of instilling that confidence in his guy, a veteran guy. And I always thought like I mentioned that this team just looks different and has a different dimension and swagger when he's at the helm. He has a, at the helm. He has a great arm. You don't get invited to the Mas- Manning Passing Academy if you don't. So he is a talented thrower of the football. He has his legs and makes them a dynamic team and he has just enough mobility to where you get in that third and medium range. You can see him extend plays, use his legs and get those first downs. So I think he's going to be money and electric for this offense. It's going to be about how much help he can get around him. I don't expect him to be the most dynamic group, but I think they will be better in the run game, which will help them. They have a ton of returning starters on the offensive line. That'll also help them. And I think their defense might be more of a question mark. So maybe you have to step up a little bit more. You have to stay healthy. If You're Ben Wooldridge That's going to be the biggest key. Love what we heard out of Zion Chris being the potential Levi Lewis in the future of this program, but I do not want to see him this year. I want it to be the Ben Wooldridge show for him to have a fully healthy season, utilize his weapons, utilize his legs, and hopefully take this offense back to kind of the more glory days that we're used to seeing in the last couple of years versus last season.
0: Hey, if you're uh, Michael Desermo, I'm not sure I would want to be dangling a, a Levi Lewis comp uh, in front <laughs> of Raging Cajun fans because they would love to have that back uh, as their quarterback. Caden, staying on the offense, you mentioned the running back room as well as the wide receiver rooms. They're both losing some big names this off season. Chris Smith, who led this team in rushing last year is no longer with the team. The same can be said for leading receiver, Michael Jefferson. Draylen Washington is expected to lead the way at the running back position and Jacob Bernard, Neil Johnson, Peter LeBlanc are kind of expected to be those top pass catchers heading into the season. Both of these units, Caden have major question marks heading into 23. Uh, which of those units are maybe you more concerned about?
1: I think when we talk about which one I'm more concerned about, it's definitely the wide receiver group. But I think a good thing is that coach Des kind of is one of those coaches, like a Kane Walmack that we've talked about in the past. And, like we've talked about with um, Coach Summerall as well, is one that kind of feels the pulse of what his strengths and weaknesses are and leans into them. Last year, he mentioned that the wide receiver room was a little bit stronger than the running back unit, and that's why we saw Michael Jefferson have such a big season. He's obviously gone. Dante Fleming, Errol Rogers, Johnny Lumpkin at tight end. A lot of guys are gone, but they bring back a ton of veteran experience. I expect Neil Johnson to have a breakout season this year. I think he's going to be undoubtedly the best tight end in the conference, maybe one of the top guys in a group of five-level And I think for the top seven being gone, but him being back, you having a safety blanket in him, a guy who can be in the flat and make plays with his legs, as well as a Peter LeBlanc, who's been a consistent target out wide for this team, and a Jacob Bernard, that'll be big. But I think as far as the other guys go, they're really relying on their development in-house. Coach mentioned Jaden Johnson and Charles Robertson, who are both unproven guys that were redshirted last year. They might have to take a step up. A.J. J. Rowe was mentioned as well. He's a true freshman who's a big guy with size. So they're going to have to lean on their veterans, it's going to be very interesting to see what their younger players are able to do. But when you talk about the running back room on the flip side, he mentioned it. They took a step back last year. And I think one of the reasons that Coach Des talked about was kind of those guys that were in reserve worlds behind Chris Smith, maybe being a little bit complacent and not putting their best foot forward. Now that Chris Smith is out the window, it's kind of that big presence that's in the running back room. That's kind of his room. There's open competition for reps. I think Draylen Washington showed his chunk yardage ability last season. Terrence Williams proved that he can be in every down back that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Zylan Perry is a promising redshirt freshman. And Jacob Kadobi, like he mentioned, is that veteran in the room. I like their combination and their recipe of different sizes, skill sets, and experience levels. I think that's going to make them a true committee that's able to compete week in and week out. For reps, like he mentioned, for touches every single week, that allows them to go with the hot hand. They're not going to have a Chris Smith they're going to have to cater to. They're going to be able to go with who the best running back is on every given week. You bring back an offensive line that's going to be improved. Definitely more optimistic about this running back room. I expect to see maybe more improvement and more production out of there versus the wide receiver room where we saw it last season. So I think that script script is going to flip a little bit this season, and we'll see more of the running backs versus the passing game.
0: Kane, there's certainly no denying, too, that if they get improved running back play, uh, it could keep their defense off the field. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. That might not necessarily be uh, a bad thing heading into the fall. Kane, when Louisiana has been at their best and you have faced them when they are at their best, they have relied on a power running game, averaging close to or more than 200 yards rushing per game in the last four seasons prior to last year. That O-line really does play a huge role in that. And last year, they lost some huge pieces. You lose the All-American, a couple of All-Sunbelt performers. This year, Caden, they're bringing back that entire left side of the line as well as their center. You're going to have to kind of rework that right side a little bit. But, Caden, it wasn't talked about a lot last year, but that O-line took a big step back, and it seems like a resurgence in the trenches might be a big key to maybe regaining some of that swagger on offense this fall.
1: Yeah, and I think bringing back your center and your left side of your line specifically is a huge plus. That center is kind of the point guard of the offense when it comes to pass protection outside of the quarterback. So he can get things set up and navigated there. And then that left side is also going to be able to protect Ben Wolger's blind side when he's throwing the ball in the passing game. But you talked about it. They lost four starters last season that were absolute people movers. These are all Americans. These are all conference players that we're accustomed to seeing from the glory days of this team really running the ball well. They, weren't, they didn't have that last year. They didn't have guys that popped. They had guys that were learning on the fly, getting their experience on the fly. So bringing those guys back now with another year of experience under their belt is definitely a promising sign. The run blocking was not great. They did a pretty good job of protecting the quarterback. And I imagine, given their personnel as well in the running back room, they'll be a lot more effective in the run game and be just as good, if not better, protecting the quarterback. So this is a unit, like we mentioned, they got thrown to the fire. They had to take their lumps last season, expect improvement out of them this year, especially with guys like A.J. Killey and uh, Nathan Thomas.
0: Let's jump to the other side of the football, Caden, why don't we? The defense certainly can't be blamed for the record last season after allowing just 22.8 points per game, 362 yards per game of total offense. Uh, This year, though, they're bringing back just three starters and took some heavy losses, uh, particularly in that secondary, including multiple offense or all-conference guys, rather. This defense, Caden, they're having to replace seven of their top nine tacklers heading into the season. As a defensive guy, I'd have to imagine you're a little bit concerned about this unit, its experience, and the cohesiveness of this group heading into the fall.
1: It's actually funny. I'm worried about all that stuff except for the cohesiveness. I think it's very clear when you look at the transfer portal activity of this team that Coach Des wants to build a defensive culture and just a culture overall where players can come in, develop, and now play in these moments where you have guys and a bunch of departures. I think when you look at that defensive line you have guys like a Zion G- Hill Green and Andre Jones who are huge losses these are guys that were absolutely dominant they were monsters but now their backups who have been playing behind them for years get the opportunity to do that uh Mason Narquise is the guy who's been playing behind Zion for years now he gets his chance to step up talk about other guys like Jordan Lawson who returns after a breakout season and playing a ton as a freshman I think he can break out even more this season Sonny Hazard returns at knows and Anton Bayless is a D2 guy that comes in as a transfer from Southwest Baptist. I think they have a lot of movement up there, but it's just going to be about, is the system, is the development going to pay off this season? I think we know that it's going to pay off with a guy like Casey Osai. Obviously, Jordan Quibido, the leading tackler of the middle linebacker is a huge loss, but Casey Osai was able to kind of fast track his chance to be on the field. Coach Des talked about how pretty much at the end of the season, he was a guy who was splitting reps and he's not able to use that as a launch pad heading into the season so we have more confidence in him. But I think overall in that front seven especially, there are a lot of guys that are kind of positioned like Casey who maybe not have got the opportunity to play as much last season but have been in the shadows, have been working and now we'll be able to see it come to fruition. It's going to be about is that development still what it used to be at Louisiana? We're going to find out this season for sure because early on they're going to have some challenges. But I think as a unit, they all know the defense. There's a lot of continuity there. Cam Whitfield and um, Jasper Williams, the linebacker in core, as well, will have to step up. They lose their number one, their number three, and their number six tackler. The question is going to be: Is the development there now? Are they going to be able to get back to a championship level on defense with the given pieces that have kind of been in the shadows and will be at light now?
0: Let's talk secondary, Caden. This is Louisiana secondary—they were decimated uh, this off-season. Uh, Braylon Trahan, uh, your twin, is no longer uh, with the program. Eric Guerrer, they're both gone. Uh, You also lost Trey Amos, Cam Podesklo, to the transfer portal after spring ball. That's concerning. Uh, You've got some guys with starting experience back, but zero returning starters. This unit gave up 220 yards per game through the air last season. They allowed just a 57.5% completion rate against Caden, this group forced a ton of turnovers last year for Louisiana, but right now, uh, this position group must be really concerning if your defensive coordinator, Lamar Morgan.
1: Yeah, you're losing an absolutely fantastic group. You mentioned Braylon, Trehan, Eric Gar, Trey Amos, Campa Desklo. Half those guys graduate, half of them hit the portal, which isn't the greatest sign, but I mean... This is a unit that was loaded with all-conference talent that's just not there. We know that we're trusting their development, they're trusting their new guys to come in and play those roles, but when you have guys doing it literally at the highest level, it's just hard to expect them to meet those expectations. Corlin Flowers at safety made three starts last year. Tyron Lewis enters his third season after transferring from K-State. Those are two guys that played in every single game last year that are going to have a bigger role this season at the safety positions. And then Caleb Anderson made one start last season as a big body freshman at corner that has some potential. Amir McDaniel made one start as well. These are not guys that have a ton of experience, made a couple starts early on in their careers. We talked about with Coach Dez how that's important for their confidence and their ability to now stay in this team and kind of take the torch that was passed down from them from many other good defensive backs. I'm not worried about who's going to be the guy it's going to be about. Can they play cohesively? Like a Marshall, they have pretty big shoes to fill, except for in this secondary, there is literally no starters there. So someone's going to have to step up as a leader for sure. And then kind of rally all these guys and hopefully uphold that standard that they've had at the secondary spot. That's been outstanding for them the last couple of seasons.
0: Yeah, certainly a fascinating, uh, position group to follow heading into the fall. It will be interesting to pay attention to things going on down in fall camp in Lafayette, Louisiana with that group. Okay. lastly, special teams, this unit, uh, there's really no other word to use. They were elite last year. Phil Steele had him as the number three special teams unit in all of college football, not just the Sun Belt. Uh, Kenneth Almanderas was 18 of 23 in field goal attempts, 10 of 13 from 40 plus yards. Uh, Chris Smith, Eric Guerrer were lethal return guys, plus uh, Rice Burns averaged 43.4 yards per punt, which earned him first team all Sun Belt honors. Caden, when you look at this unit heading into the fall, only Almanderas is back. So once again, Louisiana is going to have to replace a lot of production on special teams. Really, no matter how you slice it, Caden, this special teams unit seems destined for a regression heading into this fall. The question is, how big will that regression be?
1: You framed it perfectly, Noah. I mean, when you look at this team last year, they excelled in every area you possibly can. They were great in the kicking game. They were great in the kick coverage game. And they were great in the return game. And that all culminated for them being one of the best units in the entire country, and they lose a ton of that. It's going to be a very competitive ball camp for this team as far as special team spots and special teams impact difference makers. Obviously, they'll probably take a step back. Being number three in the nation is a huge accomplishment, and then being able to do that again is just unrealistic. It's just going to be about how far of a step back they take, like you mentioned. I think they still have some explosive playmakers in the return game. The question is going to be, can they get the same production out of the kicking game, and can they get that same inspired play that they had on their kickoff and their punt teams that made them so effective as far as flipping the field and maintaining field position throughout the contests that they played in.
0: Yeah, those will be uh, some keys for sure. I think there is definitely some athletes, some young guys, that maybe they can plug and play there on special teams, but when you're as good as you were last year, uh, certainly expect a little bit of a regression. Kaden, okay, looking at Louisiana's schedule this fall, there's definitely a silver lining to some of the things we've been talking about. Uh, Louisiana's playing the easiest schedule in the Sun Belt, according to Phil Steele. You come into the season with four what I would say are very winnable games to start the year. You've got Northwestern State. I think Old Dominion could be a win. UAB, Buffalo, those are all potential opportunities for victories. Week five is going to be interesting when they take the trip up to play Minnesota out of the Big Ten or whatever the number is currently at. I I don't know. I'd have to check Twitter later today. But uh, Then you've got a back-to-back home game split up by your bye week against Georgia State and Texas State. They should be favored in both of those games. Kane. then you end the season with three of your last five games on the road, including trips to South Alabama and Troy. You do get Southern Miss at home on November 9th, and then you get ULM to end the season at ULM or at Lafayette, rather. Kane, the over under for this team sits at six and a half heading into 2023. and based on what I'm seeing on this schedule, I think Louisiana is a near lock to exceed that total this fall.
1: Yeah, I would definitely take the over on this. this is obviously a very favorable schedule. Like you talked about it's some very easy kind of surefire wins for this team. The question is going to be about how much damage can they do early and can they ride that out? There's a universe where this team starts off the season 4-0 if they can really figure some stuff out. Very excited for them in the early parts of their schedule. And then they kind of have a, a moment where they have to flip the switch. I think once they go to Minnesota and play that game, then they really get into the bulk of their Belt schedule. They get in the bulk of their West schedule and then That's just where we talked about in the past. They remember November. This team has all of their most important games to close out the season pretty much. But to start off the season, they're house money gamblers. They don't have to win any of those early games necessarily. But if they're able to do that, they're going to set themselves up great to make it to a bowl game again and potentially be one of the better teams in the conference record-wise. So I'm excited about their schedule. I'm excited about their team. And I think it's extremely favorable given their circumstances overall as a team with how much turnover they have at positions. They'll be able to get their footing early and hopefully ride that momentum into their conference schedule.
0: Probably not a conference championship contender this season, but certainly they are expected to take a step forward here and watch out for the Ragin' Cajuns to kind of get back to that championship level, if not this year, maybe next year. Well, that will do it for our Louisiana preview on the Frarian Smith Podcast. Big thanks to Louisiana head coach Michael Desermo, as well as their associate AD, Evan Roberts, for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Friday. This one's going to be a fun one. Our season preview series hits the road all the way to San Marcos, Texas. We catch up with Texas State head coach DJ Kinney to talk about the Bobcats upcoming season. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please consider leaving us a review or a quick five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us in the show out. We're counting down the days to the start of the Sunbelt football season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frere. We'll really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.